This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, welcome to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle, and I am One Organized Mama. Episode 58. Are you feeling overwhelmed with homeschooling and or working from home? For so many people out there, homeschooling and or working from home was thrust upon us in 2020. We never expected it. It's become the new normal for many. And I can speak from personal experience. I actually have worked from home for years. I run two businesses out of my home, and I actually love working from home. I mean, I have it down. I, I'll talk about my system and what I've learned in this episode. But what I never anticipated was being a homeschool mom ever. 100% ever, ever, ever. My kids came home from school on March 13th, 2020, and I feel like they never left. And so we've been through the gamut of education, distance learning. My daughter went off to college in the fall only to come home in the spring to do her spring semester from home. We chose a traditional homeschool path for elementary age son And so we've just been through the gamut of all of the different education options. And truth be told, because I'll never lie to you on here, um, I have been approached quite often and quite a bit about like giving some advice about homeschooling. And I did not feel like I was in a position to give anyone any advice because I felt like if we were getting a passing grade as parents trying to navigate the education of our children, I mean, it was like a C minus. I mean, to be, I mean, and I know I'm not alone out there. It just really did not feel like I was in a position to give anyone any tips or any advice about educating your kids at home in this new era that we're in. And then recently, it kind of struck me. I had sort of this newfound um, idea and I realized something. We always tell our kids, your job is school. We want you to work as hard at school as dad and I work at our jobs. And so that kind of struck me recently. And I thought, what if I sort of apply the same techniques and habits and tools that I use from working from home to my kids working from home with their school. So that's why I sort of decided to combine this episode today. I am not here to say that I'm doing homeschooling perfectly well or that I super love it or that we've been like, you know, baking banana bread. I don't have a lot of photos to show you guys about us like winning with the school thing. But I will tell you some things that can hopefully help you in this. Um, I'll go over why do our systems fail and then some solutions that you can apply. And again, this can come with working from home and these can be applied to whether you have children of different ages and you have to work from home now because I know some people are in that boat Or if you still have children at home, I know that we're in all different stages. I actually can't keep up even locally where we are with who goes to school and when they go to school and how often they go to school or what the different options are. So whenever we feel overwhelmed, I always think system failure. So think of like the alarms, like in a movie, system failure, system failure, But quite honestly, I think that these two things can be sort of 
interchange. So it's like the chicken, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Are you overwhelmed because your system failed? Or did your system fail and you became overwhelmed? Well, it's all kind of part of the same thing. So the solutions that I have for you will help you overcome this, I promise. Okay, so what is a system? What am I talking about when it comes to a system? So I have something that I call the One Organized Mama System. This is a four-step process that I apply and I teach to organize any space. Step one, declutter and sort. Step two, create a zone. Step three, label and contain. And step four, teach and maintain. So as a professional organizer, and a lot of my friends who are professional organizers listening to this are nodding their head at this part, we go into client homes and this is a very common thing we encounter. We go out for our assessment or our very first session and our client has purchased all these pretty bins and baskets. They I mean they've wiped out the bin and basket aisle at Target and they have them in their home. And then they are stuck because they still feel disorganized. Their home still feels cluttered. And so as a professional organizer, it's our job to go in and then we go through the process. So my system, I'm not, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just kind of put a name to everything, but they'll go in, use a system of decluttering. They'll use a system of space planning, and then they will utilize those baskets, bins, and labels. Now, For a lot of professional organizers, that's kind of where the service ends. So they'll go in and set up your beautiful space. Well, when I was in the industry for eight years, what I found is that then I would get a phone call like three months later, six months later, a year later, and someone would say, hey, you organized my space, but it's out of hand again. Can you come back and reorganize it? And so, of course, yeah, that's exactly what you want, right? As a business owner, repeat business. So I actually started to create a maintenance plan. So I would go out and I would help clients for a monthly fee, go out and maintain the organization of their home. But to be quite honest, it kind of bugged me. I mean, if totally being honest, because I actually felt like I was doing a disservice to my clients because what I really wanted to do was to teach them about their system. I wanted them to be able to maintain it. And so that's kind of where the seed was planted for me to turn One Organized Mama into a teaching and mentoring platform. And so it all came from this system that I created. So I know when I'm talking about systems, it may sound very clinical and super boring and like, what is she talking about? But just listen to me for a second, because you have systems and you probably don't even know it. So let's think about cleaning. Okay you are cleaning your house, you have carpet in your home or a rug. How do you keep that rug clean? Well, you do it by using a system. And in that system, you have a habit and you have a tool. So your habit is vacuuming. So you have to get into vacuuming. Maybe you vacuum every day. Maybe you vacuum once a week. Whatever it is, you have a habit or maybe you just vacuum when the rug looks dirty. Well, what tool do you use? A vacuum cleaner, right? So most of us have these in our home. And so that is the system that we use to keep our carpets clean in our home. The habit of vacuuming and the tool, a vacuum cleaner. Now, we also can apply this to a lot of different areas. Last night, my kitchen was out of control. So we are like two weeks out from Easter. I still had Easter stuff hanging around, Easter baskets like candy that needed to be tossed. 
we just went through the loss of um, two loved ones in our family. So we hosted family. We had family in town for the funeral. So just my my kitchen was really, really off because we just sort of had these overwhelming things happen. So my system of keeping my kitchen organized and clean wasn't working. So I went into my kitchen, decluttered. I started to put stuff back where it belonged. So creating a zone, putting things back in their zone. I didn't really do any label or containing, although I always, always love kitchen containers and stuff. So that's always in the back of my mind. But I got out the mop in the bucket, swept the floor. Those were all tools. So part of my daily habit is to go into my kitchen and to tidy it up at least once a day. Granted, I'm not the only one. My husband is really actually pretty awesome about like loading the dishwasher and unloading it. Not so awesome about wiping down the countertops, but whatever. I always get to those when I can too. But when life was overwhelming, my system of keeping my kitchen was sort of failing. So all I had to do was to get back in the habit, use the tools that I have, a cleaning cloth, cleaning spray are my tools, bucket, mop, broom, whatever. Okay, are you getting what I'm, and I'll give you one more example actually about a system. Think about the system of getting in shape. So you really want to get into shape. How do you get into shape? You don't just pay for a gym membership, which guilty I've done, where I'm like, oh, if I (laughs) have a gym membership, I will use it and get in shape. Well, (laughs) a little wishful thinking there. We don't just go to the store and buy a bunch of weights or yoga mats or water bottles, and then they just sit in our house, right? We actually have to use those items. And we use those items again with our habits. So in order to get into shape, so get the system, get into the system of getting into shape and maybe losing weight, we have to use habits and tools. So our habit is maybe waking up early or hitting the gym right after work or whatever it is. That is our habit. And then the tools are the tools that we use to get our body into shape. So Again, you do have systems in your life and you didn't even realize it, right? So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to systems in your life. So again, applying systems in your life when it comes to homeschooling and working from home. But first, let's talk about the reasons why we fail at our systems. Like why do our systems fail? So I'm going to go over five reasons why our systems fail. And I was actually going to put a sixth reason on here. But honestly, when I kind of looked at the list, um, I felt like the sixth reason was kind of the underlying to all of this. And so the underlying reason why our systems fail is I think we have a lot of fear. Sometimes like we just have this irrational fear when it comes to building a system and and all of the neg- negative stuff that kind of happens and all of the different failures. So that's sort of, again, the underlying thing to these reasons on why our systems fail. Number one, number one reason why our systems fail, we didn't build one. So again, looking at homeschooling, looking at working from home in 2019, I would say the majority of us were like, didn't ever anticipate that we wouldn't see coworkers on a regular basis in our offices again, or that in the 2019-2020 school year that our children wouldn't, you know, be able to go through their graduations or say goodbye to their, their teachers at the end of the school year. We had no idea that this was going to happen to us, Right. So we didn't get a chance to build a system. So sometimes, again, when we feel overwhelmed, it's because we don't have a system in place, a system that's not working for us. And so don't feel alone. Don't feel, don't beat yourself up too badly. 
because the majority of humans found themselves in this situation in 2020. We didn't freaking have a chance to build a system. It was just thrown on us. Here, here's your new normal. Here is the, the new way that we have to live our life or whatever. And so you may not have a system, but I'm going to help you build one. Now, number two on why our systems fail are distractions. We have our lives filled with distractions. So think about it. When you're working from home or your kids are home, home in 2019 was kind of a different thing than it became in 2020 and 2021. Home was sort of our respite where we could just, you know, relax, where we could just escape the rest of the world, where our fun stuff was, where it was just, this is our place, right? Well, in 2020, our home also became our workspace. So maybe we were on those Zoom calls and all of a sudden... (laughs) We had to be aware of what was in the background on those Zoom calls in our home. I know there's a lot of stuff, funny stuff, not so funny stuff that came up um, with Zoom stuff. Um, and then our our homes also became our schoolhouses. They became like our children's classroom. And so when it comes to distractions, like our, our homes are just naturally filled with distractions, you know, whether it be the TV or different electronics, video games, maybe it's things that we should be doing. So one of the things that I encountered a lot from um, people who were not used to working from home, they would say, how do you work from home when you see that pile of laundry over there in the corner? And you, you can't focus on work because you just keep thinking, I really should be going over there and folding that laundry. Um, and even just nice stuff. Like I, I had a colleague that I um, was talking to and she said, I can't work from home because my office faces my backyard. And in my backyard, I have a hummingbird feeder and the hummingbirds distract me. So even though it's a lovely distraction, it's still a distraction. So distractions, we something that we need to be aware of. And we do have some control when it comes to distractions. And if you get yourself up in an irregular routine, so for instance, with homeschooling, my elementary age kiddo, when we sit down and do homeschooling, I actually kind of give him a break to what we say, quote unquote, get the wiggles out. And he is all boy. He is all boy. He, that child it is impossible for him to sit still ever. And so he um, really struggles with just sitting still. So I'll say, okay, hey, go get the wiggles out, go do a chore. So we're, we're sort of trying to do this thing. And we have been this past year where when you need a break, get up and go do one of your chores. So we'll get school and chores done all in kind of one fell swoop. Doesn't always work that way. But we aim for that on a regular basis. But if you're working from home, be aware of your distractions too. Very often, if there's something I really need to focus on, I will leave my cell phone in the other room because I know as soon as it dings or the screen lights up, I'm looking at it and I am taken away from the task that I need to be focused on. Another thing that I want you to be aware of when it comes to distractions, and um, for some reason when I've brought this up to people, it kind of irritates them. And by people, I mean the people in my house, my family. Um, But use a timer. So when you are like, hey, I'm just going to sit down and watch this show, just put the, um, the stopwatch on your phone just to see, like, I'm just going to watch 30 minutes. And then when you are done and ready to get up, see how long you actually did take. Do it also if you're going to go on to social media. And if you're going on social media just to scroll and, you know, just as an escapism, which there's nothing wrong with. But before you log in, do the same thing. Put your little stopwatch timer thing on your phone and see how long you actually spend on social media. You will be surprised because we do this thing in our brain where we say, I was only on for five minutes. 
Well, 50 minutes later, reality hits. No, you were actually on for close to an hour. You probably weren't really on it for just quote unquote five minutes. We all do this. And I've pointed this out to my kids. I'm like, oh, let's see. Let's see how much, let's see how fast an hour goes, especially when you're distracted. So be very, very aware of your distractions. Give yourself plenty of breaks when it comes from working from home. Give your kids breaks if they're doing um, school from home and try to be a little bit more disciplined when it comes to distractions. Okay. Number three on why our systems fail. A lot of times our systems fail from negativity. And I'm not talking about like the Debbie Downer in the office or the Debbie Downer or the the person with the RBF that lives down in your, you know, on your block or whatever. I'm talking about the negative people in your home and how negative we can be around each other. And so I'm going to give you a little story, something that happened to me last week. So last week was sort of the aftermath. Again, if you listen to my episode right before this one, um, you'll hear me talk about in the span of a very short period of time, we lost three loved ones and two of those losses were in the same week. So last week was sort of after the funerals and memorials and, you know, kind of the next steps. And so I had some pretty important meetings last week. So I went to the meeting, which was away from my house. And I was sort of just not looking forward to it and hard decisions have to be made. So I told my kids who are 18 and nine, mind you, to do your chores and get your schoolwork done. I have this meeting. Don't bug me unless it's an emergency. So I'm sitting in this meeting and my phone starts blowing up. So I like click it off and I'm like, why are my kids calling me? And so I'm like, I text them, what's going on? And then it just starts. So-and-so locked me out of the house. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, literally, I cannot deal with this. This isn't an emergency. If your sibling locked you out of the house, you walk around to the front door where there's a keypad and you enter the code and you get yourself back into the house. But they were doing something. I don't know what on earth they were doing, some kind of fight and shame on not the first kid that got locked out of the house. Shame on the second kid because think about it. You locked your sibling out of the house and then you were dumb enough to be lured outside so then they could lock you out of the house. Like, no thanks. So anyway, I chose to ignore the negativity. I, of course, got the 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 influx of text messages. And then as soon as I, and I wouldn't call them back on my way home, I was like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I walked in the door and the 18 year old was like, all I want to say is, and my response was, I don't want to hear it. And then the nine-year-old was like, she, but she, but she, cause he was like ready for, ready for war basically. And to defend his stance on whatever, whoever locked who out of the house. I chose to ignore the negativity. I just chose to ignore it. They were both alive. They were both safe. They were both okay. I don't care. I don't know the details. I don't need to know the details. I don't want to know the details. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life right now. So ignore the negativity that can sometimes invade your home. All right, number four. Let's talk about excuses for just a moment. I actually have so much to say about this, but I'll, I'll keep it short. I'll, I'll rein it in a little bit. <clears throat> There's this trend that I've been seeing when it comes to excuses, and I freely admit I have fallen into this trap of excuses where I say, we're all looking at another person that maybe is in phenomenal shape or their business is just skyrocketing or whatever. And in my brain, I will tell myself an excuse. I will say, well, if only I had what that person had, then I would be in that situation too. Wrong. Here's the thing. 
I think those things just like everyone else, but we have this new trend where people now, if you are, if they see someone winning in life, they will go after that person, man, and use someone else's successes to validate their own excuses. Think about that for a minute. I mean, it's it's something that is absolutely rampant that we do. And now it's like, okay to do it. It's okay to go out there and just like hate on someone publicly because they're winning and we are not. Let me give you a personal example on this. When I started One Organized Mama, it was back in July of 2012. That's where I came up with the idea, the inception, started it for a lot of different reasons, um, worked my butt off, worked my butt off to a level of exhaustion, to a level where I literally, I didn't, I, if I was sick, I just had to like still show up. I couldn't take time. I just had to keep it going because I had a goal. And that goal was I had a full-time job that where I got regular pay and I had to prove to my husband, hey, this is a great idea for me to start this business. And therefore, I had to be able to make up the income. So basically, I had to, I couldn't quit my full-time job and just go start a professional organizing business willy-nilly. I had to prove it. So by proving it, I had to make the money. So in order to make the money, I had to work a full-time job 40 hours a week with still three all three of my kiddos were at home, still getting kids off to school, still trying to be a hands-on mom, still trying to do the grocery shopping and build a business because I realized that if I worked really, really hard to do this, then eventually I could walk away from my 40-hour-a-week job and then focus on this. And it's exactly what I did. Well, July 2012, that started. I worked my butt off and then finally got to the point in October of 2013. So what is that, like 15 months later or something? 15 months of working not 40 hours a week, sometimes 60 and 70 hour weeks, exhausted, pulling over from my, when I would leave my full-time job and I didn't have enough time to go home, but I didn't want to show up too early. So I would pull over to a parking lot somewhere in a safe area and just sit in my car and close my eyes for 10 or 15 minutes because I was exhausted because I wanted to do this. Did it day after day, didn't get a day off for a very long time, even when I left my 40-hour-a-week, my regular job, still worked my butt off. So guess what my old coworkers said? My old coworkers, who I thought were my friends, but you know, kind of uh, you, you learn whenever you put yourself out there, whenever you go the distance, whenever you put your, you go in and other people don't, those critics are going to come out and they come after you, man. And so my old coworkers, who I thought, again, were my friends, were saying, were telling everyone she could do it because she, she was married, her husband. Like as if my husband and me be married, like my husband just gave me bags of money like every single day or something, like completely, completely disregarded the amount of work I had to do how I just had to suck it up. Like I said, I literally did not have time to be sick. If I was sick, I just had to to push through. And that was something, that was like a huge wake-up call. And of course, you get very defensive and you're like, who the hell are you? But the thing is, is it was totally acceptable. And and unfortunately, I lost a lot of friendships. Um, people who I really thought were part of my support system turned out not to be part of my support system because they really jumped on this bandwagon and, um, you know, believed that the only reason I could quit a 40-hour-a-week job and start a business is because I was married. And I'm sure they had a lot of other different reasons too and stuff. But 
I know a lot of you guys, this is resonating because I've had this conversation with so many people and I'm always going to be honest and I am not everyone's cup of tea, like I said in my previous episode. And also my message is not for everyone. So here is what I have to say about making excuses for yourself. Don't do it. Just stop. Just don't do it. If you are doing it in your head automatically, you've got to act against, you've got to do something. That's the best way to kind of get out there. I mean, I can look at someone who's in phenomenal shape and be like, well, yeah, if I lived in that neighborhood, if I had her hair, if I had her life, I would be like that too. No, I am not going to discount someone else's dedication and hard work because of my own insecurities. And just because it's now acceptable to do so, to go out there and just rip apart people for their achievements and accomplishments because you were insecure about the lack of your own, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's just not. And so stop making the excuses. Stop getting on these bandwagons of excuse makers. Stop it. Stop wasting your time hating on others. Stop making the excuses. And if you are in that position where you are winning, where you are putting yourself out there, friend, just put blinders on. They're going to come after you no matter what. Anytime you do anything significant in your life, the haters are going to come out at you. And it's just a fact of life. So again, I have a lot to say about that, don't I? So the reason I added that in is because, again, kind of comes with the fear. Like a lot of times I know so many people were like, hey, I actually kind of like this working from home thing. Maybe I want to start my own business or branch out or do some freelance work or have a side gig. And then sort of this fear kind of grips you. And so, and part of that fear is how we can really get ourselves out there and overcoming our excuses. And then once we do and put ourselves out there, again, we get hit with this negativity sometimes. And also, as we all know, if you are a parent and you have a child, nothing brings out, you know, negativity and people who have negative stuff to say than having a kid. I mean, especially the people who don't have kids, right? So, and it doesn't matter too, like if you distance learn your children, if you homeschool, if you public school, private school, charter school, magnet school, there is a critic out there. And so just let go of that negativity. Try not to focus so much on those excuses. And yes, people are gonna always have something to say. I want you to just let go. Let go. Stay focused on your own thing. Okay. The last thing that I want to talk to you about when it comes to why do your systems fail is this lack of boundaries. And again, talking about home, it is okay to set up boundaries in your home. And I'm going to really get into that now that we're going to start getting into the solutions. So just remember Look at when you have some system failures and you'll know you have system failures if you feel overwhelmed. It could be that you just haven't built a system, that you have a lot of distractions and that you're giving too much time to your distractions. You may have a lot of negativity. You may be making some excuses for yourself, which you have got to stop doing. And you may not have set clear boundaries in your home. And again, it's okay to set boundaries in your home. So now solutions. I'm going to go through six solutions to overcome these system failures. Number one, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a million times. I want you to plan your day. I want you to plan every single day. You do your planning, so this is the habit part, either the night before or first thing in the morning. So just depending, if you're a night owl and you're like, hey, let me get out my pen and paper, which are your tools, all you need is a pen and paper for your tools. 
even if you take my time management online course, I will still tell you, I give you a guide that's printable. You don't have to use my guide. You can use a a calendar or planner or a pen and paper notebook. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get super fancy, but your tools are your pen and paper and your habit is to do this daily, night before or first thing in the morning. And I want you to look at your seven buckets. I want you to go through all of the areas of your life. So you're going to kind of do an assessment, home, family, financial, social hobby, physical health, work, and quiet time. So I want you to go through your seven buckets and then plan out your day. What are you going to do for work today? What are you going to do for home? Are you going to spend on family? If those are the only three buckets you're going to work on, great. The next day, maybe you're going to add in your financial bucket and work on your budget a little bit or pay some bills. But I want you to plan each and every day. So have a plan for every single day. That is the foundation to getting organized. Have a plan. Have a plan. All right. Number two. I want you to designate time and space in your home. So you might have kids that you're still working with school and work. Designate a time that work is done and that schoolwork is done. And it's also important to to designate specific spaces. Do you have a table and a chair in your home? Yes, yes you do. There's your tool. Now, on the habit, then you have to, (laughs) sorry, you can also use desks and bins. Sorry, my notes are jumping out at here at me, not just table and chair, but also some bins and boxes or baskets or whatever. So there's different, some different types of containers here when it comes to designating your space. So again, those are your tools. Those are the tangible items that you're going to use to designate your space. So maybe that table and chair is your kitchen table. So get a bin and that's where you keep your work from home stuff or your kids school stuff. Put a label on it so that you know. And then when it's time, when you're doing your time to work from home, you bring out your bin and you set out your work stuff. And then that is the time and the space that you're doing it. Same with your kids. Your kids should have a designated space where they do their schoolwork. So designate a time and a space in your home. Number three on solutions to overcome being overwhelmed with homeschool and working from home. I want you to compartmentalize your life and you do this with the tool, a calendar and the habit saying no. So let's get into this for a second. So compartmentalize. What does that mean? When you compartmentalize your time, you're scheduling your time. So for instance, you compartmentalize your time from work because you know you have to be at work from eight to five or whatever your time is. That is compartmentalizing your time. When you are at work, you're not babysitting your sister's kids. You are at work. And so that's how you compartmentalize your time with your schedule. You can do the same thing when you are working from home or homeschooling your chi- your kids by setting these boundaries. So remember I just said a lot of times we have system failures because of our lack of boundaries. So you have a habit. So your habit is to say no. And so for those of us who have either worked from home or been stay-at-home moms, a lot of times people automatically assume, well, you're home anyway. Can't you just help out with this or that? No, I can't. Because I've made the choice to work from home or I've had the opportunity to work from home or to stay at home and be with my kids does not mean I am just sitting there doing nothing. It means our family or I have made specific choices to my life to make that happen. And it's no one's business on why I've made those choices. The fact of the matter is you are allowed to be control in control of your own time. 
And so let go of the guilt and learn to say no, say no to people. So I get this a lot where they're like, well, you're home anyway. Can you just watch kids? I'm like, I work. I work from home. I don't need more kids running around my house that I have to scream and yell at to be quiet while I'm taking a phone call. So it's okay to set boundaries. Because I've designated a space in my home, which is my home office, my family has been trained to know when they see me sitting at my desk that they know mom is working, my wife is working. And this doesn't always stop the people in my home from not still bugging me. So I will be sitting (laughs) at my desk and they all have their own little unique ways to get my attention. My oldest, when he's home, he just walks in unapologetically, sits right in front of my desk and stares at me until I pause or if I'm off the phone and then I address him. My husband like mouths something to me that I can never, he thinks I'm a lip reader and I have no idea what he's trying to say, but I'm just like, you know, waving him off. My daughter does like some kind of form of sign language or whatever, like, hey, I'm going to walk and then drive somewhere. I don't know. So that's her way of communicating with me when I'm working. And then my youngest writes me notes. So he'll write me a note. Can I play Xbox? Can I make some macaroni and cheese or whatever? And then like, you know, runs over, sets it on my desk and then waits for for my response. So even though they still kind of come in and sort of um, intrude on my workspace, they at least know because I've set a boundary that when I'm sitting here at this desk, leave me alone, pretend like I'm at work because I am at work. You can do the same thing. You have to teach your kids to do the same thing too. Because they're sitting and doing their schoolwork, my youngest will always ask me, can I turn on the TV? No, you cannot turn on the TV. If you were in school right now, the teacher would not let you turn on the TV. But sometimes I will let him, if he's been pretty good or whatever, he loves country music. And so um, I'll let him turn on a little country music station or whatever to have his background noise. Because sometimes I've noticed teachers will allow for some of that. And so I'm like trying to keep it as close to school as I possibly can. So setting boundaries. Doing schoolwork is not um, time to play. It's not time to watch TV. Doing your work from home, you've got to set boundaries. This is not the time, again, to watch other people's children or to, you know, do online shopping or to whatever, whatever distraction. And again, you can get up and I'm not saying you have to sit or make your children sit the entire time. Definitely schedule in some breaks there. Okay. The next thing when it comes to overcoming system failures is number four, I want you, if you're a parent, to teach your children some independence. And that is something that I definitely, with three kids, learned like around the importance of that around kid number two, and then definitely raised kid number three to be a little bit more independent than my very first child. And my oldest is actually really amazing young man. So I mean, he figured it out eventually. But I will say I did a lot more for him than I did for his younger siblings and stuff. So I, as a parent that's been a parent for like 132 years, have learned the importance of teaching my children to be independent. Now the habit as a parent that you have to get used to is enforcing, enforcing your discipline, enforcing your rules, um, enforcing consequences. And the tool that you can use when it comes to teaching independence is make a list, communicate. Written lists are really great. Again, all you need is pen and paper to make a list and tell your kids, here are your expectations set out for the day, whether it be chores or for schoolwork and follow it. And if you don't, these are your consequences. So parents, teach your kids independence. Number five. All right. 
I want you to designate and delegate. So in our house, we kind of changed our our system a little bit when it came to chores because people are home more and the house is a mess. It gets to be a mess literally in the blink of an eye. And so I actually kind of had to learn what I've learned from working with um, larger families um, as a professional organizer. I once worked with this family of that had 12 children and the mother was a genius. She actually implemented jurisdictions for her kids. That's what they were called, jurisdictions. So they, like one kid, their jurisdiction was the downstairs bathroom or whatever. So I sort of applied the same thing um, to my kids this past year and to my husband kind of too. My husband and I just kind of have our own little areas that we keep up with when it comes to the house. But with my kids, I had to say, okay, for you, trash every single day. It is your job to take the trash out of all of the trash cans in the house and put it away. And for you, it is your job to wipe down all the bathrooms um, every single day in the house. And so designating and delegating, which means as a parent and as a person that we have to have it, let go of control. We don't need to be in control of every single thing in our home or our life. We don't have control over everything. It's okay for the bathroom to not get cleaned exactly how you would clean it. Let go of some of that control. Also, going back to teaching your kids independence, make a list. Make a list of things that they can do so that there is clear communication. So that would be the tool. But whether it be homeschool, so maybe your kids, because this is 100% what we found. My two children that are still in school don't do as well with the distance learning than they do when they're sitting in a classroom. And so that's part of the reason that we made some of the, the decisions that we had to make as a family because, I mean, last spring, spring of 2020 was horrific around here when it came to school and stuff. And so we were just trying to figure it out. You know, God bless those of you whose kids totally manage that super well. In our family, we really struggled. And so um, we just had to sort of, again, let go of control. We don't have control over this situation, figuring out what do we what do we have control over? Let's just focus on that. So maybe we're going to go from having these really high expectations for our kids academically, and that we even had to kind of say, okay, so maybe uh, a teaching moment is what is dry ice? I, I went through this with my nine-year-old last week. We got one of those orders food and it had dry ice in the box. And so he's sort of fascinated. So I took five minutes and I said, what is dry dry ice? You know, what are the elements? Let's, you know, do an internet search on this. Let's make this a teaching moment. So even though it wasn't a science class, but it was just a taking, taking the moment. And that's what I do appreciate about the homeschool experience is that I think before, sometimes when they're in school, I forget that they, I am their first teacher as a parent. And so it just sort of reminded me of that. And so my husband and I would kind of take some of the things that happen in daily life or that maybe were happening in the world and use them as teaching moments um, with our kids. And so that was a great reminder because, again, we don't have a lot of control over the things that are happening right now. And it's okay to let go of control even more, even more. If there's one thing you can take away from that is just sort of enjoy and embrace life a little bit more. Okay, the last thing, the last way that I you can battle feeling overwhelmed when you have system failure, it is the number one time bucket that I talk about the most because it's the most overlooked and when I talk about it to people, when it comes to time management, they sort of poo-poo it. It is quiet time. And 
this is something when you are in a place where you're really feeling overwhelmed in life, I want you to do this daily. So your habit is daily. Five to 20 minutes is fine. And the tool, you use whatever tool it is. So some ideas for quiet time are maybe just to sit and sort of be contemplative. Sometimes we have to do that. Maybe you just need a brain dump, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe just getting some stuff off your chest. Maybe you cry. Maybe you pray. Maybe you're going to read. Maybe you're going to journal or meditate. Maybe you love yoga and just sort of stretching your body and getting some of the tension out. Or one of my favorite things is listening to music, just sort of putting my earbuds in and kind of drowning out the rest of the world. And even though it technically isn't quiet per se, and the reason I say quiet time is just kind of giving yourself a break. And I think that's kind of what I mean when I'm trying to teach this is give yourself some time to just sort of take a step back and just take a break from everything. And again, You can do this in five minutes, 10, 15, 20. If you need to use a timer or if you just want to listen to your favorite podcast and say, hey, I'm just going to sit and kind of listen and not have to be doing anything at this moment. But it's basically your break time. That's what it is. So I just want to thank you as usual for listening to the One Organized Mama podcast. Remember, I have online courses that really go in depth in this. So when you're done with this, go over to my website, oneorganizedmama.com, click on online courses, go take my time management course. I walk you through this. I give you the tool, which is a time management journal. Now, this episode was, like I said at the beginning, a request by a very dear friend. I love to hear from you guys. If you have an area or you've heard me talk about something and you want me to talk a little bit more about it, this like this one, I had a lot to say. It's almost, we're almost at an hour. Um, feel free to go over to Instagram, look up One Organized Mama, follow me on Instagram, send me a DM or whatever in, in contact me and say, hey, Janelle, would you mind diving a little deeper into this? Or I, I have a question about this when it comes to time management or organization, and I will likely do a podcast episode about that. So thanks again for listening. Again, don't forget, go to my website, take my time management course. It's super affordable. Uh, right now, it's only $47. If you're listening to this in the future, the prices might change a little bit, but for right now, super affordable. Go on. You can download it. You can. You have a series of videos that you can go back and listen to over and over and over while I teach you how to manage your time better. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time on the One Organized Mama podcast. Mm-hmm.